Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Seed Me episodic audiobook. Uh, last episode, in episode 15, we finished the book. The book's done. It's over. There's no more. We even got a bonus chapter at the end uh, that was a deleted one from a earlier portion in the drafts. Uh, it was the Emily's road trip with Dwayne. And that takes place before Seed Me. So this episode is a little bit different where it's basically, it's very similar to what I did at the launch of Seed Me back in 2016 at Happy Harbor Comics here in Edmonton. Um, uh, at the time of this recording, it is November 2020. And it's it's been really fun exploring a book that I wrote many years ago, and it was published in 2016. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about it, where it came from, the roots, <laughs> uh, no pun intended, um, and uh, yeah, how it all came to be, the sound, the artwork, the inspiration. Uh, you've probably picked up on some of the the philosophical and morale views within the book kind of like disguised within the fable of the story and uh they've always been there i didn't elaborate on them too much while working uh or while doing the launch but we're gonna do that here so let's really just chat about where this book came from uh i do want to start the touch point on reading a book that i wrote um, I wrote in 2016 and technically it dates even further back, but the story I never thought would be really timestamped. I kind of wrote it with the intent of it being more timeless and you never know where the world is going to go. Back in 2016, most people remember, uh, weed was not legal. So this entire story... Uh, has a lot of reference to cannabis culture and it was illegal at the time so that's the way the story was written some of the technology terminology used as well and um yeah choice of uh common buzzwords like the term superfood isn't used much anymore we've moved on to more trendy words but it's fun to see the way trends change over time and Seed Me is just a product of its environment, and that is no different from anything else. On a more personal level, Seed Me is the first book that I have converted into audiobook. And it is, it is very fascinating to see how my writing has evolved from this time. And if you read more of my recent work, you will see how it's changed drastically. There's things that I am able to write um in one sentence that used to take a paragraph or i would work it out through dialogue which can easily be described in one sentence and you're always learning and growing so seed me's just uh one chapter uh, another lame ass pun in my life and my growth as a writer and it was self-published fun fact it was actually my first participation in NaNoWriMo. And if you didn't know, Seed Me, or <laughs> NaNoWriMo is the uh, National November 
Novel Writing Month happens every year. It's a lot of fun. Some people don't like it. Apparently there's politics involved. I have no idea. Um, I do what it is designed to do, and that is to write. So I write. Um, Other people criticize it for uh, being a messy process. That I have noticed a little bit more as I've matured as a writer. Uh, And I'll give you an example. It actually fits with the Seed Me example. So with NaNoWriMo, you have to write 50,000 words in... 30 days, boom, bang it out, get her done, and you've got yourself your first draft in your book. Pretty cool. And as a new writer, I I was still very much new, and I'll go back to explaining that, but I was new, didn't know much about writing. Heard about NaNoWriMo. This was my first opportunity to try it out. This would have been back in 2014. Uh, The premise of Seed Me is a little older than that. So... Seed Me, I had a, the idea brewing around, I think, in 2014, and I want to get into all that af- after, but uh, yeah, in, in 2015, I participated in NaNoWriMo, and basically write 50,000 words, you go and you do it. That ends up being about 16, 1,700 words a day, and I did it. It worked out. Now, the problem as to why people criticize it is you are just hammering those words out. And I sure as hell did that with Seed Me. I went through a very challenging time during that uh, period of my life. And Seed Me ended up being a lot of uh, just me like hammering words out, a lot of frustrations. Um, I was also really excited as well because uh, I was I was like hammering words out for something in super new that I've never done before. And to be honest, most of it was garbage. The first draft of Seed Me after Nana Ramo was trashed. 50% of the book just scrapped, wasn't good, deleted it. It just derailed into this boring, pointless story that didn't... Uh, didn't progress the characters. It didn't make sense to the beginning. Um, the plot had a bunch of holes in it, so it needed to be tightened up. And that's the big problem with NaNoWriMo that people complain about, is that uh, it teaches people to write fast and not good. But that's where revisions come in. And as you get better, you learn speed isn't as important. Um, and this isn't to trash talk NaNoWriMo at all, because I I just actually participated in this year of 2020. I still love it, but it, uh, slowing down is important. Speed isn't everything when it comes to your writing. And um, when you listen to any of the, the long veterans of, of writing, they talk about not so much about how many words they do, but how clean and how good their first draft is. They take their time, and they, they don't write from A to Z, they kind of jump all over the place. So that's something I'm learning with my own writing as I'm getting older and developing. But with Seed Me, we're going to explain where kind of this came from. It was the first book that I had written beyond the Mental Damnation Dark Fantasy series. So that was a big jump. If you've been following my writing career for a while, you will know that Reality, the Mental Damnation book one, um was my introduction to writing the debut novel. It was a messy start. Uh, That was back in 2012, eight years later. 
here we are. Maybe we will cover all of Mental Damnation in a future episodic audiobook season. Uh, this is about Seed Me. So I was, at the time, 2014, 2015, I had only really written Mental Damnation. It was all Mental Damnation, Dark Fantasy, Dark Fantasy, all of it, just Dark Fantasy. And uh, I was getting really sick of it. I also was, uh, I suffered that typical cliche of not believing in my own writing, didn't think it was good enough. And uh, at the time, the first edition of reality wasn't very good. So I was banking on all mental damnation, writing a long series. It was going to be a 6, 12 series book um, story. So like, yeah, 6 or 12 books. But I didn't want to pigeon my, pigeonhole myself into one one storyline where everyone had to start with that really bad book of the first edition of reality. Now there's the second edition, it's been improved, but uh, I, I decided to take a, a sidestep and try something new. Before that, I've only ever written fantasy. Just fantasy stories, fantasy novels. I've written some short stories at this time, around 2014, and I just started thinking about other stories that I could tell. I was gravitated towards horror. I still am. And uh, I started jotting down ideas, writing down premises, what I could do for for a, a plot, and what would be different in a horror story. Just bringing up my little notes. And uh, I wanted to play with plants because uh, I'm a vegetarian, born and raised, Gradually moved to veganism, but not full-time because that's, that's intense. But uh, So I thought plants would be an interesting concept. And I've also always had a general awareness of the environment. So I was like, you know what would be a fun horror is playing off of that. And plants aren't explored too much in horror. Sometimes they are. There's a few good ones out there if you dig around, but it's not overly common. Like, you can find with slashers, or you've got vampires, you've got zombies. And this is around the time where zombies were the biggest hit, because 2012, end of the world, zombies. Everyone loved zombies at the time, so I was just kind of sick of that too. And I was jotting down ideas, came up with a premise in around 2014, and it was actually a different story. Uh, I think Jake, the character, was in that version that I was outlining and the the plot was going to follow a uh, a blogger who got interested in a murder case and he wanted to find out what happened to this jogger who got um taken by one of the plants and this was an early version of the plants uh so that's where he was going to explore and find out what happened to this jogger and he was going to blog about the whole thing so this was also where I wanted to pull people into the story in a, in a live environment as well. Because um, stories are about uh, engaging people. So it's not, I don't think they have to just be bound into one form of media, in this case, literary. And I had this crazy idea of guerrilla marketing where I was actually going to create a fake persona or a facade of this blogger who would be the protagonist and he would have his own website I'd fudge uh, or basically Photoshop a profile photo of this guy, mash up basically a photo collage 
and make it uh, a person who doesn't exist and make it look like he exists by blogging about Edmonton and his his investigations into the River Valley, what happened to this jogger, and I was actually going to leave some evidence, quote unquote, in the River Valley and maybe set up some like sound systems that were on timers to like trigger sounds, but I scrapped the whole thing because it was, um, I, I feel if I was going to stage a missing person event as a guerrilla marketing campaign, I probably would get in trouble with the law. Uh, I didn't dig too far into finding out if I would or not. I just decided it was a bad idea, but I wrote it all out, wrote out the whole thing. I was like, this is a brilliant idea. And I, I'm going to tell the story all through this website of this fake blogger and it's going to be the best. So didn't happen. Um, decided too, too complicated, uh, wasn't worth the risk. That was actually back in 2013. And just as uh, that ended, 2014 came around, made the big life changes, personal life changed a ton and uh, became a freelance designer and to this date have been still doing that and i participated in nano remote so it just it, it was actually a lot of pantsing or what i prefer is writing into the dark where you just don't know where it's going to go and you go for it but in the nature of nano remote i was really focused on getting those words out and uh the first draft again was garbage wrote it got it done in 2014 in 2015, I went back and revised a bunch of it. And that's where it got more interesting. First, the first draft was all impulse and intuition. And overall, the story stayed true to those agendas, but it did evolve into something a little more polished. And that's more so what I'm interested in talking about, because uh, that's where it really evolved a lot more. It actually was supposed to be designed as a sequel to that blogger's story. So like back back in 2014, I had that idea that it would still be um, a series. And actually, even after that, I thought it would be a series. And I still kind of dabble with the idea because, um, spoiler, um, we don't know what happened to Jake. Jake is fine. Uh, Janet died. Logan died. Logan gets senses of things. He thinks that the world has ended and the world mother has taken over. That's what we understand. But you have to also remember, we can't always trust the narrator. Um, so that's what he believes. And we actually don't know. Could be true, could be false. So Jake might be alive. The world might be okay or the world might be destroyed. Um, doesn't look good though from the way the book ends. So I've always wanted to tell more seed me in some form or another, and I may revisit it. But uh, yeah, after NaNoWriMo, I took a bit of a break. You know, I had the whole, uh, after November, you had New Year's and all of that. And in the new year, I really focused in on reflection of the character because it was, it's a fun, it was a fun slasher. Um, it actually got sexed up way more than it should have. I believe Logan had sex with the plant at one point in time, and it was really erotic. Partly where the name Seed Me came from. Um, there was a, a lot of erotica involved with the earlier drafts, and I, I kind of pushed a lot of that aside, focusing more on the environmental concept. I kept the name Seed Me because 
it's actually a, a tribute to the the phrase feed me from the little shop of horrors movie so there's a double meaning for you uh wasn't intentional but it kind of evolved that way because horror plants seed me feed me all kind of fits into a nice pretty little story uh but yeah i focused more inwards onto the character logan being this jagged um upset guy who's has a chip on his shoulder um which there was a little bit of self-reflection and it's the cliche right what you know and that was for the protagonist but i wanted the story to be more than that and that's where i did a lot of cool research and the research included uh looking into how different symbiotic relationships worked and symbiotic relationships vary drastically throughout nature you've got uh, healthy ones uh, where the host and the parasite work together and they actually mutually benefit from the relationship there's toxic ones where the leech needs the host to be alive and the host has to basically deal with it that's kind of your tapeworm scenario where the worm needs the host alive but the host doesn't benefit at all and i'm general i'm generalizing this drastically um because it's been a while since i've looked into all this but then the the third one which actually was the working title for the book called immensalism which is also the last chap second last chapter in the book immensalism is where the parasite kills the host think of alien the movie uh the face hugger chest burster burst out the the face hugger is the parasite kills the host seed me similar thing seeds grow they grow inside the body the plant grows rips apart the person the head dangles up and they keep the head alive because the plants are fueled by blood and uh that's yeah so i did a lot of interesting research into that and i was trying to figure out does this have any sort of scientific ground now fiction doesn't have to be bound by uh the laws of our world but uh, a fun little trick you can use is you hint at reality because when you hint at reality you allow someone's imagination to go wild you just give a little tidbit of info that's believable and people are going to go crazy so that's that was the point of my research and uh, i did find some interesting facts about a a type of algae or fungi that grew with a type of sea creature and they coexisted together in one body and uh, that was kind of the basis for where the plants came from and how they grew inside someone's uh um someone's body until they decided to burst out and then i looked into some b- bugs and stuff and how they can um poison their host until they uh uh so they're numb to the larvae growing inside them so i did all that basic research and and a lot of that i did want to share with the reader whether it was shown through the story or the character's dialogue and uh, that's where Janice's character kind of morphed into an interesting concept she became the face of all that needed to happen in in the world and the good in the world janet uh was a lot of fun to write because she was this wholesome kind of free-loving soul that uh 
um, was also kind of a voice for the plants without the plants having a voice yet until the very end of the story. She was all about the environment. Her dad was a big oil CEO. Um, She was well aware about nature, studying biology and um, ethical energy and all that stuff. So she, she kind of yeah, gave the plants a voice and ultimately the plant's goal was to get rid of people because people are parasites and they, the harvesters wanted to cleanse the planet. They basically wanted to create a new garden of Eden and they almost got there until Jake and Logan screwed it all up. So yeah, that's where a lot of the research got into. Um, I also talked to a good friend of mine who's a police officer here in Edmonton. He taught me some of the rules that uh, went into like police force. How do they handle cases? Because like wanted to know with missing person cases and I didn't know where to look. And he was really kind enough to give me some info on where this all goes. He also actually helped me with Yegman. Um, we can get into that possibly in an future season, but, uh, he gave me tons of insight, tons of insight. And so much of it, I couldn't use cause it didn't fit into the book. And I really wanted to, which probably gave, uh, inspiration for Yegman. I also went into the Edmonton archives. Now that's a cool place because you actually go into the armory, Edmonton's armory, and they've got all the weapons, the uniforms, all of it, because it's the armory of Edmonton. And you sign into the archives, you get to look at legitimate papers, legitimate ancient papers that are well over 100 years old. You get to feel them and touch them. You get to ask what you're looking for, and the archivist will help you. And I did that with a friend of mine uh, to research where the origins of Edmonton came from. Because I wanted these harvesters to be really old. I wanted them to... uh, be here for a long, long time. And as uh, Logan, Jake, and Janet kind of piece together, there are possibly outcast druids that were trying to escape from their homeland because they've dabbled into really wicked magic. That's that's the basis of what we know about the harvesters. So I, I wanted to know who were some of the first settlers in Canada and Alberta. And uh, so I did a bunch of research into where Edmonton came from. Uh, learned a lot. Fort Edmonton House, Fort Edmonton, Edmonton, uh, and then Strathcona, and then eventually the merging of Edmonton and Strathcona, and all of that fun stuff. And I really wanted it to be rooted into the city, hence the farmer's market and the details of White Avenue and the River Valley, because we are known for our River Valley. It is a beautiful thing if you have not explored it in the summer or winter. Um, I, I wanted those to really come across to express the city, and I think those really give roots, <laughs> lame puns, really give uh, attitude to the city because the characters kind of trash talk it as well, but there are some beauties here and also a reflection of nature, um, which were the ultimate goals of the world mother and her followers. That gives you a basic understanding of where the story came from, where uh, it sprouted from, how it was kind of a sequel before the original story. Um, Some of the research went into it. There was a lot more that happened as well. 
Uh, a lot of that can be read on the wiki, like the different stages of the plant. I wrote all of that out, the actual names of the harvesters and the plants themselves. So feel free to go onto the wiki if you really want to dig into that stuff. But uh, we'll leave it at that because there's more to Seed Me than just, just, the, um, just the book. This was the first time I really dabbled into transmedia storytelling. And I talk about transmedia storytelling all the time. It's the art of telling a story across multiple medias and expanding the, um, uh, the viewer's experience through these mediums. This can be done through audio, the visual, um, literary, interactive, all of it. And it's about including more. Um, now, Seed Me did an all right job with that because I included the visual aspects of it, obviously, through the interior design of the print format, which included some of the web browsers, the text messages that people get. But it also included uh, a standalone novel score which is the compilation album of various musicians here in Edmonton. And all of them are still active uh, at the time of this recording. Now, the novel score was a lot of fun because I'm a big, big hobbyist into music. So I actually contributed to some of the tracks on here, but played project manager and orchestrated getting everyone together. And the purpose of this score is to expand on some of the chapters within the book, um, emphasizing the moods that the chapters are expressing. So I basically gave each musician a different chapter or scene within the book, and they had to transcribe that into a instrumental um, auditorial experience. So it's a, it's a lot to take on. And, uh, uh, at the time, it's the first time doing it, so I learned a lot, and I am very gracious to the musicians who partook in this novel score because um, I don't think I quite gave clear directions. Uh, but yeah, you live and learn, and they did a fantastic job. You should check it out. It's on the website, uh, conlavery.com slash novel slash seedme, um, or conlavery, and you can find music. Uh, it's the World Mother... Uh, World Mother Seed Me Novel Score. You've got musicians such as Sean LaCroix, uh, Apollyon's Visage, and Voice Industry. Those were the three I was able to get for this one. And uh, I did the filler tracks in between. They are fantastic musicians, and I am incredibly grateful for their contribution to it. So feel free to stream the album. It's available all over on Bandcamp, and uh, check it out. It's a range of music styles from like Witch House to Down Tempo to Industrial and Ambient. Uh, and if you did listen to all these episodes on the podcast, some of the tracks did sneak in there. Um, all the ones that I wrote, like uh, The Children, uh, River Valley Walker, Wild Magic, Actually, the children didn't make it. It was Wild Magic. River Valley Deep Stalker and Sprout. Sprout was at the very end in Chapter 15 uh, for Episode 15. So transmedia storytelling is a big part of what I enjoy doing. You can clearly see it in this audio 
uh, book episodic series where I'm doing all the improv synths, making all the sounds as we go. I do all the visual artwork for the books. Um, like uh, Seed Me's had a score. Yegman had a score. I'm working on more scores for future books, uh, bringing on other musicians as well. And uh, you can see it in all the short stories that I write. And then the artwork, uh, a range of styles are all done by me. Interior formatting is done by me because I do the graphic design by trade. That's actually the bread and butter. I wish I made money from writing, but I don't. It's a tough gig. I'm working my way there. I'm not there yet. Most of us aren't. That's the harsh reality. So uh, with the graphic design skill, though, I'm able to expand and uh, really personalize each book and tailor the designs to complement the covers. Because one thing I've been told over and over by veterans and seasoned writers who have been traditionally published and they have repeatedly said they don't get a say in their book covers. Now, changes a bit with like indie publishers and boutique publishers and uh, medium-sized publishers, uh, or if you're just a big name, uh, they'll work with you, but a lot of authors don't get to say where where their uh, what goes on their cover, which is kind of too bad. It's like they write the product and that's all the publisher cares about. It's like, great, they've got the words, they're going to design the cover as they feel uh, see fit with their designer to market and sell it to the best of their abilities, which makes sense as well from a business standpoint. So it's like a double, double-sided thing. No one's wrong, no one's right. But as a self-publisher, indie publisher, I've been able to do my own covers um, for most of the stuff I've written. Not all of it, because I'm not entirely indie. But for Seed Me, it was indie. And I did do the artwork for it as you can see if you found this podcast on social media or the blog or your email with the rss feed the artwork uh started actually uh, as a sketch there were many 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 more thumbnail sketches before that but uh, that that cover there is the original scan and that scan that I brought into the computer traced into vectorized artwork and plastered some textures over it, adds some interesting color palettes, and there we had it, Seed Me, the cover. It was actually uh, green and orange before, like vegetation, because it revolved around plants. But um, talked to some friends, and they said, yeah, they gave me some feedback, wasn't a good idea, so I went with the classic red and yellow because it's an energy color and it worked with uh, it worked with being a horror novel. And there we have it. That is Seed Me, the horror novel that I wrote back in 2016. And uh, yeah, like I said at the beginning of this episode, it's uh, fun and strange going back and reflecting on your previous writing that is so old. Um, now you know a bit about where it came from, how it, uh, sprouted and, uh, what it evolved into, how it got scrapped and re rewrote a lot of it, like half of the book. Um, it, uh, it kind of launched my career in a new direction. Um, a lot of the old fans from the fantasy stuff was very, su- were very supportive of it. 
Um, but it, it was the beginning of the split where I, I started genre jumping for better or worse. I don't know. We'll find out what happens. But uh, for better or worse, that's what I did because I, I there's more stories I want to tell than just fantasy. I love telling fantasy, but I also want to tell many more stories. And it, it was the foundation of an entirely new direction in my writing career and a level of seriousness that I was taking it. Um, that's the end of this first season for the episodic audiobook podcast. We will continue it in season two with uh, a new book. We will do the same thing, divide it into episodic series. Uh, a lot of my newer writing, the chapters are shorter, so we may even merge multiple chapters into one episode. We will see, but it will include improv synths, some uh, ambient sounds, and uh, we'll do a behind the scenes as well. I hope you enjoyed this. And uh, thank you so much for joining me on this journey and listening to the whole Seed Me story. I really hope you enjoyed it. And uh, please share with your friends. If you want to go a little bit further, feel free to buy the print copy of the book if you want it on your shelf. See the words in the printed format or the ebook as well. The links are in the podcast. You can find it on the blog. Or if you just want to find out more about my writing, I have many, many more stories. Uh, I've written dark fantasy, horror, crime, thrillers, historical, paranormal. It's all over the map. Sci-fi. Um, find me on Amazon. Find me on Kobo. Grab a book or follow me on my blog. Subscribe to it because there's monthly free stories. And as you've seen on the podcast here, those short stories get turned into podcast episodes. So support the author and all that, and I'll catch you in the next uh, season. Until then, take care.